What's up, everyone? Another Mental Game Podcast here. Sam Brief, your host and producer here on a January day in Chicago where it is literally zero degrees. Right? You know it's like going to be a day when you go on your iPhone weather app and you see a big fat zero. <laughs> but you know what? Good. Get, get to spend some time inside. And that sort of positive mindset is exactly what a now friend of mine, Chris Troy, would say. And he was a wonderful guest on this latest Mental Game podcast. Chris Troy, now a professional baseball player, living out the dream as a member of the Red Sox organization. He was a 12th round draft pick of Boston last July, coming out of UC Santa Barbara. Now, Chris is not just a baseball player, and that's something that sort of took a catastrophic injury for him to learn, because he used to think of himself as Chris Troy, the pitcher. Then he tore his UCL, which required Tommy John surgery, which for a pitcher is like a temporary death sentence in a way, because your arm is immobile, and it's a 12-month rehab process, and you can't pitch. And a pitcher who can't pitch, what is he? Well, Chris learned that he's Chris. And he learned about how to navigate that and who he was and what he was interested in and the projects he wanted to pursue. And it helps that he's a philosophy major and is all about the philosophy of stoicism, which I also am a huge proponent of. So Chris Troy comes on with pizzazz, with energy, And I'm telling you, you listen to this like 30, 40 minute podcast and you're going to learn a great deal. He's also a fun dude, really good stories and really entertaining. So I will shut up and I will let Chris Troy talk. So now here is the latest mental game podcast with Chris Troy. Tell me about a time in your life when your mental game was challenged. You know, I think I think really my first big encounter with it was was having Tommy John my sophomore summer uh, going into my junior year. So obviously that's a physical challenge, right? And that's the headline, right? Everyone knows in the baseball world, Tommy John, you screws your elbow, the surgery, the rehab. But the mental side of an injury, that's something not everyone talks about. So what was it like? Take me to the first when you found out crap i need tommy john yeah so i actually posted the uh the clip on instagram uh last week of, of me actually tearing my ucl but um you know i was a little a little sore a little tight prior to pitching um that day uh but nothing nothing out of the out of the usual especially as a reliever um but i mean on one pitch i really felt to go and walked off the mound and um i think kind of at that point i i knew that i tore my ucl um, and, and what I didn't know was, was honestly the, the challenges that would come with it, not just on the field and with my actual arm and the physical challenges, but really just the mental challenges and, and 12 months of, of not playing the game that you grew up playing every single day. What was the biggest mental challenge? Cause like a pitcher, your arm, like that, that's, that's you in the baseball context, right? I'm not right. trying to undermine you know you as a person but like yeah, no from a no, raw baseball perspective like you are your arm right you're no better and no worse than how the arm is so for 12 months y- your arm is crap right my arm is better than yours and <laughs> i barely hit 65 so like what does that feel like as a pitcher 
you know, I think this is something that, you know, I really did learn about myself, but really just my self-identity, like who I was. I wasn't Christopher Troy, who I am. You know, I'm not Christopher Troy, the pitcher. I'm Christopher Troy, who pitches. Um, and, and being a pitcher is one of the things that I am. And so, you know, it took me a while to come to that, to that realization. I think, I think initially after the surgery and um, the, first, the first month or so afterwards, um, you know, I really tried to practice the stoic philosophy or at the time what I thought was stoicism, which was, uh, which was essentially just hide your emotions and, and hide how you feel. Um, and it took a lot of self-discovery and a lot of time and a lot of educating myself um, to really understand what the Stoics say about uh, feeling your emotions, feeling, uh, feeling how you feel and, and, and having empathy with yourself. Um, and so that was something that I think took me a long time to understand and to learn. And you hear it all the time from your coaches and from your supporting um, role members. But dude, I mean, it was really, it was really tough. It was really tough. And my coaches and my, uh, my teammates will tell you. The Stoic philosophy. Do you subscribe to the Daily Stoic? Um, I am a subscriber. I don't do a great job um, staying up with the subscription and reading every day, but it's just something where I, if I kind of want to go back and reflect, I know I've got it in my inbox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I love the Daily Stoic. And, and for those of you who don't know, Stoicism, an ancient philosophy that's been followed by everyone from Roman emperors to American presidents to Chris Troy to Sam Brief. <laughs> and one of the early guests of the mental game, a uh, former NBA player and a G League coach now, Kobe Carl, he came on and he he recommended the pot, the 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 subscription and, and Ryan Holiday's book. So I've been a subscriber ever since. I'm curious before we get back to uh, the Tommy John how you apply stoicism to your life because so many people just think of it as oh stoic is serious but it's so much more it is it is and i think initially um you know you're getting at a good point here where you know i thought it was just be serious and don't feel those emotions um but you know i'm i was a philosophy major at ucsb uh, uc santa barbara and so you know i kind of geek out over these things but but really where stoicism plays a role in my life um is really in in the recon- in the recognizing of my emotions and how I process my emotions um, and knowing that you know maybe I can't control my emotions um, but I can control my reactions to them so how did that apply at the juncture of crap I don't have an arm now I'm just Chris Troy who pitches who can't even pitch right now Right. And, um, and, and, you know, that was something that I kind of came across once I reached rock bottom and, uh, you know, I read a book, the, um, the mountain is you by Brianna West, which is an outstanding read. And I recommend it to anybody going through anything or anybody who just wants to get better at mental skills, mental performance and their own mental health. Um, but really rock bottom is a beautiful thing. And, and when you get to that place of like, this is as low as you feel like you can be, um, it creates a little bit of a drive and a little bit of uh, some energy to go figure out how to be the best that you can be. And so really where stoicism and um, my UCL intersect um, is just understanding that, you know, I was, I was blessed with good genetics to throw hard, which means I put a lot of stress on my elbow. And um, Tommy John is something that's happened to me, just like it's happened to thousands of other pitchers. 
um, and, and a lot of them better than me. So uh, really just understanding that, you know, there's nothing I can control prior to having uh, Tommy John surgery. And there's really nothing I can control about it after or do anything about it after, except um, control my attitude towards it and control my rehab and control the things that I can control, which is just continue to get better. So through the lens of, of like what you're trying to be and the time when you tore your UCL, that would strike me. And I'm just putting myself in your shoes. That would strike me as really freaking stressful because it's one thing for a dude like a Max Scherzer to tear his UCL because he's got it made, right? This is a world champion all-star with hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank. He'll be in the Hall of Fame one day. And he could miss next season with Tommy John and nothing about how we perceive him would really change. Right. But you tore your UCL in the middle of college. You are trying to establish yourself. You're trying to help your team and also trying to get to the next level and get drafted. So then that one year you're sitting there not pitching. Everyone else is pitching, is getting scouted. Did you think much about that? And if so, how? Yeah, and just to give you a little perspective, Sam. So um, after my sophomore year, was I had a pretty successful sophomore year. Got invited to go play in the Cape Cod League uh, for Katua Kettleers. Go Cats! Oh, go I Cats. forgot to wear my uh, Cats sweater, man. <laughs> okay. I have, a, I I have my either. 2020 or 2019 Cape Cod champion sweater. Go Cats! Uh, yeah. So um, really, just just just. And you know, Sam, I lost my train of thought. Where were we? Uh, playing in? Pl- sorry, playing for the Katua Kettleers. Cape League. Yep. Um, and yeah, that was going into my junior year. So, uh, I was supposed to have a big summer in the Cape and have a good season, my junior season, and then hopefully get drafted for millions of dollars. Um, and that was, that was kind of the timing of it all when I tore my UCL out in the Cape that summer leading into my junior year. Um, but really, I mean, coming to find out that the next year was going to be, was going to be a COVID season and we weren't going to be able to play. So I think, I think for me, you know, I wasn't too focused on, on getting drafted. I think that perspective just kind of comes along after reflecting on it. Um, but really what I was focused on was just getting better at pitching uh, because, you know, I never pitched before I got to college and I got converted to become a pitcher my freshman fall of college. Um, and so I really just wanted to get better. I knew that I knew that I had a lot of work to do and uh, take 12 months of not work in my mind um, was tough. And to know that there's just going to be people out there getting better than myself. How did that feel? You know, I had, uh, you know, I had some, I had some anxiety around it and just being able to not compete with uh, my team and my brothers and my best friends and to compete for UC Santa Barbara, to compete for coach check. It's in the entire coaching staff. Uh, it was, it was, it was, it was very eye-opening and I am very grateful for that, for that experience and for that process, because I learned so much throughout it. And, um, you know, I, I, I love where I'm at today and I don't think I would be where I am at today if I, if I didn't have uh, Tommy John and learn all the things that I did. What's the number one trait about Chris Troy that he has? I don't know why I'm talking about you in the third person, <laughs> the trait that you have, my friend, that maybe you wouldn't have if, you just never tore your UCL and you just kept on rolling and, and everything went according to plan. 
Yeah. So, uh, I mean, during, during rehab and coming back, you know, I think, I think I really had to look at and answer two questions, honestly, about myself, which is one, who am I? And two, what is my purpose? Um, and so that self-identity question is, is something that you probably don't even think about unless you have, um, you know, a big event like tearing your UCL or, uh, the loss of a loved one or, or, uh, any of those other more tragic things. Um, but knowing that, you know, I'm not a pitcher, I am somebody who pitches, um, and knowing that, you know, my identity isn't with baseball and it isn't with pitching. My identity is who I am and pitching and baseball is one of the things that I do. And I, and I do so many other things, you know, I'm a brother, I'm a, I'm a son, I'm a boyfriend, I'm a friend. Um, and, and really just finding those hobbies and finding those things that you like to do and the relationships that you want to keep growing. And you're such a positive person like that. Let's say freshman year of college. Yes. Yes. I think I was, uh, I think I may have been maybe too naive and, uh, and I'm probably still too naive. So I don't really know. What hey, I'm we're all about. too naive. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think, I think I was a little bit more naive. I had less life experience. Hmm. Um, and I would say I was, I was positive, but I would say I'm more, I'm more aware, um, and how that positive thinking and, and creating, uh, a habit of taking a positive perspective um, was what I'm doing and, and was what I was doing and what I've gotten better at today. Habits, habits, habits. That's what life's about. I know yes, sir. that's something that you believe and I'm going to use your words for you here. And everyone's always like, Oh, I'm using your words against you. Now I'm using your words for you. Uh, you share your daily thoughts on your Twitter account, Chris. And I love a thought that you had earlier in the month, which is this. Humans are designed to be negative. Practice observation to rewire your brain to be positive. If you're not actively working to be positive, well, then you're negative. That's our default setting. Can you explain why you had that thought? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think, I, think, I think negativity is all around us, and I think it's a lot more easy to observe um, than, than the positive is. Um, and I think that if you're not training your mind to be positive and say, you know what, it's not, it's not raining in a bad way today. Like we need the rain. It's, I'm in California and it's a drought. Um, and, okay. And I was, I, you know what? And I agree with you, but I'm <laughs> from Chicago where right now it's like yeah. negative 10 and I, my dad lives out by you. And I went to visit him a couple of weeks ago and I was so excited for the LA sunshine. And it literally, I use the word literally carefully, literally set an LA County record for rainfall. We went to a falafel place and the freaking roof is coming apart because it was raining so much. So yes, I wanted to rain to end the drought, but could use a little less. Okay. I right. Right. No, and, and, <laughs> and that's, that's exactly right, man. I think, I think understand, you know, what, what you have to be aware of your thoughts and your own perspective on things. Um, to really change them. And, and if you do nothing about your negative thoughts and your negative perspectives, um, those will compound quicker and easier than your positive perspectives will. And so it's, it's, it really is a tough battle every single day um, to keep a positive mindset and to build the habit of being a positive person. Um, but obviously, once a habit is built, it's a little bit easier to maintain. 
I know this method of thinking will really resonate with you, Chris, but a friend of mine who I actually met in the Cape Cod League, fellow Katuit Ketelier, shared this with me the other day, this kind of mental strategy that's totally rewiring your brain to think positive. And it's, okay, something crappy happens, and then you just say, good, now blank. So it's like, okay, I'm in LA with my dad, and it's pouring rain. Good. We can hang out inside and have some, you know, good Sam dad time just chilling instead of like <laughs> distracting ourselves with the beach and stuff. Um, you know, for example, I actually a couple weeks ago had COVID. That's a that's a tough one, right? But it yeah, was like, it all right, I have COVID. Good. I get to spend some time at home resting, spending time with my girlfriend and my cat and taking a, a, a mental breather while my body recovers. Absolutely. So, that method of thinking is so great. And you really strike me as the type of person who does this. Oh, I appreciate that. I mean, I work very hard uh, on a consistent basis to be that kind of person. And I think, um, you know, I think it served me well and I've had a lot of success with it. And so I've got no plan on changing. You have had success. Hey, I tore my UCL. Good. I get to find out who I really am. Good. I get a rehab and get to the place I want to go. And, and dude, you did. It seems like your rehab was really a success because you came back and smashed it, got yourself back to throwing really, really hard, right? Triple digits. You get drafted by the Red Sox, and you're now a member of the Red Sox organization. So when you look back at the rehab and where it's taken you, and I know you're still on the path, but what's your perception of how that went? I think first and foremost, man, I got to thank my, my, uh, my, my supporting role members and Specifically, you know, my family, my parents, uh, the UCSB coaching staff, the training staff, uh, Dr. Proctor, who did my actual surgery, Bill Oakley, who did my physical therapy, and Peter Park for just all of my training um, throughout my rehab time, and uh, somebody I'm still working with today. And and I think I think that that's where it starts. And I and I have I have too many positive and healthy relationships. Uh, to really count. And I couldn't be more blessed and more grateful to have them all really. Um, but I think that's where it starts. Um, and then to have coach checks, you know, I think one of the practices do, I just broke down and, uh, and, and checks gave me the day off. And he said, you let me know when you're ready to come back. And this was very early when I was watching my whole team uh, practice and play baseball. And, and I was sitting on the sidelines helping out any way that I could, but um, you know, to have, to have, to have those people in my life and to have those relationships in my life, I think we're, I mean, monumental to, to my recovery and the way that I've come back. And I owe all of my success to, to those people and to those relationships. When you look back at those relationships that helped carry you to where you are, right? I know had really tremendously helped to take you to where you are now. You reach the draft and in the, let's say, days or even hours leading up to the draft like what's on your mind at that point you know for me I think I think I think it was the same thing that I was thinking all year and and during rehab and that was just that was just get better at pitching you know I think uh, the stoicism uh, the stoic philosophy subscribes to the idea that you know where I get drafted who I get drafted by um, those are all things outside of my control and and what I can control is is that moment and, and using that moment to be a better pitcher and so, uh, you know, I wasn't, I was not caught up at all in, um, 
and when I was going to get drafted, who I was going to get drafted to, how much money I was going to make, you know, those things just, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't too interested in that. I think I've got a lot of work to do as a pitcher and I just want to continue to get better at pitching. So then what do you think when the Red Sox draft you? <laughs> uh, dude, I was, I was, I was. Cause I'm sure so, you had a moment of thinking something other than I'm going to get better. Yeah, of course. And, and when the, and when those thoughts came about, you know, I, I said, you know, okay, well, this is just out of my control. Um, let me focus on my catch play today. Let me focus on my lift today. Um, but the moment I got drafted, man, I was, I was unbelievably proud of myself um, first and foremost. And um, really just, I, I just, I just felt like, you know, this is just the next step for me. You know, my goal wasn't to get drafted 12th round. My goal is to be the first overall draft pick. So um, in that sense, it was a little bit of a letdown because I wasn't one, <laughs> one, um, but you know, dude, I, mean, I, th- I think, I think what I'm trying to do is just be the best at every single level that I'm at. And if I fall short, okay. Um, go back to my process and adjust the process based on my reflections to get better, to get the results that I want. So got drafted by the Boston Red Sox, man. And I can't, I can't say enough good things about the organization. I'm, I'm just beyond, beyond excitement for the opportunity and, and, uh, for the opportunity to get better and to become a Red Sox. You're, how do you say that? How do you say that? You, you just said become a Red Sox. I all, as a broadcaster, I always wonder. Uh, you know, I don't know. I think that that's just what I've heard. I've done a they little research. They didn't teach you? Um, a Red Sox player. Yeah, uh, I know. So I'm a White Sox fan, and <laughs> I never know how to, you know, like, oh, okay, great. Like, you know. Tim Anderson is a white socks. Like that sounds so yeah. weird, right? He's a white sock. A white sock? <laughs> yeah, but then I'm like imagining him as a sock. It's like, no, he's yeah. wearing a sock. No, I got no idea, dude. I got How about no like, idea. yeah, I'm so grateful to be a member of the Red Sox. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's probably, that probably more uh, a better way of saying it for sure. Uh, I know. I, w- I would hope like when, when you sign your contract, it's like, here's the recommended protocol for how to <laughs> describe yourself as a member of the organization yeah. well maybe, yeah, maybe we'll, nice. we'll, we'll give those guys uh john henry and, and the folks a, a little time to chew on that one so anyway chris you're a professional baseball player now and a lot of this podcast audience work in and around professional baseball a lot of people at the minor league level like me so take me through on a January day, a few months after you get drafted, you're still pretty new to the organization. And of course it's the off season. What does a week look like for you? You know, most of my days are, are uh, pretty similar. I think um, I'm at platinum fitness Summerlin with Peter park 9am. And I've got a good group of guys that I work out with there. So we go, we go in early, get our workout in. Um, and then we're usually off to UCSB Cesar Wazaka stadium. Uh, to get our throwing in, uh, to get our hitting in, and, and uh, not my hitting, but my the group of people that I work out with, uh, all UCSB alum and all really good friends of mine. Um, come back, shower, make some lunch, and I'm sitting in front of my laptop uh, working on working on uh, investing, real estate investing, stock investing, um, working on my mental skills, um, and and really working until until the day is done. And I think that that's just because. You know, I, I, I want, I'm, I know who, who I want to be and I know what I want and I know that I'm not there yet and I shouldn't be. I'm only 22 years old. When you say working on mental skills, what does that look like? 
you know, I think, I think that there's a lot of things you can do. I think for me personally, I know that the breathing, um, specifically box breathing and being aware of my breath is something that really helps me not only, not only perform in baseball, but, um, just to be more aware and more conscious throughout my day and to be more intentful and to be more purposeful. Um, so really meditation, you know, um, different breathing techniques and, and, and really just try to disconnect from the outside world. And I think it's really tough uh, to put the phone down for a few hours and, and, and focus. And um, that's something that, you know, I actively need to get better at. And it's something I've continued to get better at. And I know I'll keep getting better at it. Breathing is so damn important. I mean, yes, it is. you're a pitcher. We see pitchers breathe a lot. A lot of people aren't doing it right. How do you breathe? How do you incorporate that into your practice? It starts with my routines, man. And I've got a, uh, I've got a pre-outing routine slash pre-inning routine. So if I'm going out there for two or three innings, um, how I address the mound, um, whether I just get called in from the bullpen or I'm going out for my second inning, uh, I do the same thing every time. And I've got a breath, just a big, deep breath. And um, it's all through the nose, in through the nose, out through the nose, um, because that's, that's, that's tough to do. And so I know if I'm aware enough to get a full breath in the nose and a full breath out that, that, you know, I've given myself the best opportunity to, to perform well. I start every day with a four, seven, with three, four, seven, eight breaths in four, hold for seven, and then release slowly for eight seconds. and it's no matter what, right? I could be having a chill Saturday doing nothing, or it could be a, a super intense day traveling and doing a bunch of broadcasts. But that, for me, centers me. And it sounds like for you on the mound, right? You, you could have bases loaded, no one out. You, you, you do your thing, and that centers you, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And I don't just use it when I pitch, man. I use it throughout the day, and... Um, whenever I feel like I'm not really present and focused in the current moment, um, I try to, I try to use my breath and focus on my breath and control my breath, uh, to bring me back to where I know I need to be. You also, when we first touched on the mental skills work, talked about your other work, right. And in investing real estate, um, you work a lot on your social media, and work with an advisor on that. You're, you're very invested in, in yourself outside of baseball. And that to me is like, okay, you're actually putting your time where your mouth is, right? Hey, I'm Chris Troy. I'm not just a pitcher. I'm Chris Troy who pitches. Well, yeah, you're also Chris Troy who invests, who, you know, breathes, who works on himself, who is active on social media, right? So you're all these things I'm curious what those other outlets do for you. And this was something that I learned, you know, through Tommy John. Uh, mm -hmm. There were all there were always things that you know I had other interests in um, and other hobbies, but but really, you know, it's like okay, I don't have any, I don't have baseball for 12 months. Um, I'm going to go act on on my hobbies, and I'm going to go see how good I can be at them. Mm -hmm. And and really, the purpose that I found for myself was just, I want to be the best person that I can be. Um, and so I feel like I'm always working on myself and there's never going to be a destination. There's no arrival. Uh, I just need to keep getting 1% better every single day. And I think as long as I can make myself better today than I was yesterday, that's a win. Um, and there's no other thing that I'd rather be doing 
um, when my life is over, when my time here on earth is done. I think if I, I think if I can look back and say um, more days than not, I got better than the day previous than the day prior. Um, I'd say that was a success, not a good life. Yeah, that's a win, right? Yeah, absolutely. You could almost. I, I did an exercise recently where I broke down. Are you a college football fan? No, not really. No, not a college football fan. Well, you know the vibes of like the season is twelve games, potentially. Um, it, so it's kind of like the months of the year. So I right. like to think about like, all right, in my physical health, in my mental health, in my emotional health. How many wins did I get this season? Because like in college football, you know, if you have a 10 and two season, that's like a really good season. 12 and 0 is incredible. Like seven and five, you're like pretty good. You know, three and nine's crap. So it's like a <laughs> great way to reflect on a year is, okay, like physical health. How was I? Maybe I was just like six and six. Okay. Mental health. I was great. That, that was like 11 and one season. Right. So. Um, those are great ways to think about and, and you're 1%, uh, 1% better every day really makes me think about that. Right on, man. I, th- I think I'll probably start using that. Maybe I should be a college football fan. Uh, I just can't get myself really to watch it, honestly. Too busy football doing all? things that I do enjoy. Um, the NFL playoffs I've been really big into, and we've actually been blessed with, I mean, four great games this last weekend. Holy crap. (laughs) Folks who are listening, we're recording this on January 26th, right after the best weekend of football I've ever seen. Yeah. Holy crap. Hands down. Are you, uh, I I know you're in LA, which you get all sorts of fans in LA, but who's your team? (laughs) Uh, I don't have one, but I'm rooting for the Rams. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool if they host the Super Bowl. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would. I actually saw a game there with my girlfriend uh, a couple of weeks back, and it was my first NFL game ever. Um, at SoFi? So it was at SoFi Stadium, man, and it was, it was beyond, uh, beyond belief, man. The stadium was insane. The game was insane. Uh, I, just had, I just had a great time. Your first NFL game was at SoFi Stadium. That's like having a bite of pizza for the first time in the middle of Rome. Yeah. like you're gonna have a pretty yeah. good impression of pizza so like i'm sure you you have a great impression of nfl stadiums <laughs> yeah no it was it was, it was a good it was a great time the, the stadium was amazing the i mean it was a game that they scheduled it on a tuesday they had to reschedule it i think because of covid uh something that messed up my whole fantasy season <laughs> i'm sorry to hear that but no so we got it we got it we got to catch a game at sofi and uh, I'm looking forward to my next one. I wish yeah. I was going there this Sunday. Yeah, we'll pay up. Yeah, I would. <laughs> <laughs> if they make it to the Super Bowl, you you might want to I don't know dip into your your signing bonus or something. But that's yeah, gonna we'll be see. a that's gonna be a pretty cool a, a cool couple weeks if they yeah, well. keep this run going. And of course, people are listening now. Maybe who knows? Maybe a year later, and they're like, "Oh, those idiots thought the Rams would win." And <laughs> <laughs> I'm go, I'll go on record. I'll go on record. Go Rams. <laughs> you're calling you. it right now? You go, you yeah, want to let's go to do Vegas? it. Yeah, yeah screw it. Rams it. Rams right. to the Super Bowl. Let's do it. Come on, baby. Hey, I, I'm, I'm learning a little bit about you as a dude. Um, and, you know, in this era of Zoom, there's so much with people's rooms. And I see some interesting posters behind you. Looks like some records. I see a baseball poster. Tell me one thing I'm looking at on your wall that has some personal significance to you. 
So just so you know, I'm currently doing this Zoom from my brother's room. Oh, uh, his apartment. I'm actually I'm learning so my... much about your brother, dude. <laughs> Great guy. That's awesome. Yeah, but no, I uh, I actually live in a van right now for the off season and shower and cook in my brother's apartment. You're living in a van. Yes, sir. Yes, How did sir. that come about? Uh, just to be down in Santa Barbara, you know, it's pretty expensive, and mm -hmm. um, going home in the Bay Area for Thanksgiving and Christmas for a couple weeks each, uh, you know, I didn't feel like it was a good investment to to pay for an apartment down here. Um, so living in a van, my papa's van, my grandfather's van, um, sleeping on the couch in my brother's apartment, and showering and cooking at my brother's place. So when you say living in the van, sleeping on the couch, what are you doing in the van? Um, so I've got a bed in there. I've got a mattress in there. Okay. So I kind of, I, I basically just bounce around, you know, wherever, wherever I feel like sleeping that night. Uh, I know if my brother's apartment's going to, if they're going to be up late, then I'll go to the van and, and try to get to bed early. But um, I, I think it gets a little cold in the mornings. I know I'm saying that from Santa Barbara where it's probably getting down Dude, to 40. Dude, it's negative 12 here. <laughs> Yeah, no, I feel like I've got no right to be saying cold, but nah. uh, but no, dude, I mean, it's basically, I'm based out of my van um, mm -hmm. and my brother's apartment. So living the dream, man, living the dream. It takes a special type of person to accept that, right? To look at your life practically and say, it's not worth it for me to invest in an apartment. Yeah, and I think I think it takes an even greater person to be the girlfriend of that person and oh. sleep, in, sleep in the van with me when she comes to visit me. <laughs> um, hey, I'm yeah. going to my boyfriend's place. It's really nice. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a van. It's a Dodge uh, Grand Caravan. So and, not even like one of those nice Mercedes Sprinters. It's technically a twin mattress topper. A twin mattress topper. And you're so zoned in on getting better, on making it, on being the best Chris that you can be, where things like that, it's like, I mean, there are a lot of people who would look at that and be like, oh, I could never do that. But you're a really happy person. I would say so, man. I think, and I think every day I try to be, um, and I try to do the things necessary to do it. Uh, but, you know, I think this is just a rite of passage, man. I'm 22 years old, just out of college. Um, and I just finished my first season, my first partial season uh, in the minor league. So if there's ever a better time to do it, I think I think I think I'm living through it right now. Oh, and I, I just I cannot wait for like 10 years from now when you're in the big leagues, you know, making serious dough, living in, you know, like some fancy loft somewhere doing interviews saying, yeah, I remember back in, back in the day, minor leagues, I was doing incredible podcasts with this guy named Sam brief and <laughs> living in the van. And here I am now. Yeah, man, that's the plan. And you know, just so you know, living in the van wasn't, uh, wasn't really out of choice, but more so out of necessity. And I think I'm happy to do it. And I'm glad I have a van to sleep in. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's that good. At least I have that. Right. Right. Part of staying happy in 2022 is knowing how to use social media. You, Chris, you know how to use social media and you've put out many thoughts on there about, you know, how you used to not like it. It would feed things like anxiety and depression. And now you've learned how to use it to be a force for good, both for you and for others. So tell the people out there what you've learned about how to make social media make you happy and not miserable. 
I think rule number one for me, especially on my social media, is just be authentic, man. You know, mm-hmm. don't 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 portray the best version of you. Portray who you are. Um, and I think I think you have the confidence to do that if you know that you know you're just trying to do the best that you can do, uh, and you're and you're actively working on it. So, really, to just find out that you know what I don't really care about followers. I don't care about likes. I don't care about engagement. I don't, I don't care about anything else other than. Um, you know, having my friends and my family and the people that support me um, stick stick up to date with me and just let them know what I'm doing. And I think that finding what the intended use of social media was, you know, when they made Instagram, they didn't make Instagram to cause to cause a whole generation mass anxiety and mass depression. Um, they 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 made they made social media in order to make it better to stay in touch uh, with friends and family. And so I think if I keep using my platform to to keep my fans, to keep my family and to keep my friends, you know, updated with my life and as a way to engage with them. Um, I think that's the right way to do it and to do it authentically. It's super authentic. And for example, you share these daily thoughts on Twitter. And if someone's a fan of yours or a friend of yours or a family member or a, a dude like me, it's awesome to know what's on your mind. Right. And it's not just the cranky, like, you, you don't post the cranky stuff like, oh, I'm on Delta flight 792 <laughs> and like the dude in front of me has a bad egg sandwich. Like, it's not that, right? You know, no one gives a crap about that. It's it's what you're thinking that other people might benefit from. Like the thought I shared earlier about how humans are designed to be negative and we have to be positive. So I really, um, not to toot your horn too much, but you use it the right way. No, I appreciate that, Sam. And just so you know, the the uh, the daily, the thread of my daily thoughts on Twitter that was just something that I really started from myself, um, because I feel like you know I, I've, things that I read or things that I come across um, that I interpret that really resonate with me. I want to be able to keep track of them, um, and I think if I do that on Twitter in, in a thread form, that's just the organizational style that I've been having some success with for myself. Right. Sometimes you have to say something out loud in order for it to really resonate with you. And Twitter is a 2022 way of saying something out loud. Absolutely. And to truly understand that, you know, to put it in 120 characters or less. um, Hey, you you got 240 now, man. Is it 240? I'm that that out of of date with it. But just so you know, too, uh, you know, I got a social media manager now and she's really been helping me. Her name's Maya with Grounded Management. Um, I've been with her for the last couple of months and uh, between her and you know my girlfriend, they've really helped me on my social media outlets and 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 to do what I want to do on it, which is be authentic uh, and stay in touch with the people I care about and uh, give up give people an opportunity to see what I'm up to and what I'm doing. I'm curious about something else, Chris. The mindset I- of being a minor leaguer. Right. And at this point, a very low level minor leaguer, not because you're low level at your job, but because you're 22 and you were just drafted and that's just how it works. But the mindset of that, because this is an area in which I can sort of relate to you. Right. I want to get to the top of my industry, which is broadcasting. You know, I want to be my my plan is to be doing World Series, Super Bowl, Final Four level broadcasts. And right now I'm doing what I love, but at a lower level. So I want to make it to the top. And so do a lot of people. And you're in a similar boat, right? You want to make it to the big leagues. And so do a lot of people. And you're in an environment 
where you're surrounded by those people. So I'm curious what the mindset is from that point of view. You know, I think the, I think my end goal has always stayed the same, which is I want to be not just a big leaguer, but I want to dominate in the big leagues. Like I want to be on top of the big leagues. I want to be the best closer, the best pitcher, the best that I can be in the big leagues. Um, and I think I've got the natural talent to do it. And so, you know, what I'd say to you, Sam, is it sounds like you've got the natural talent to be on ESPN one day or wherever you want to be, you know, um, and, and, and never stop dreaming big and never stop planning for big things. And, you know, for me to be at the level that I'm at, it, 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 I try to make it feel like uh, what it felt like to be at college or to be in high school or to be in travel ball. And just knowing that, you know, this is just a part of the journey, man. This is just the next step the next step and you just got to keep grinding for the next step. And uh, eventually one day, hopefully you look up and there you are in Fenway park pitching in game seven of the world series with the one run lead, you know? Um, but that doesn't come without the, the, without the trials and tribulations. And um, I think as long as you're actively pursuing that and actively trying to be the best that you can be in your industry, I think, uh, I think you're a good competitor to get to the top. Your mentality is the same as mine, too, from the point of view of, I don't want to get to the top. I want to get to the top and kick ass, right? Absolutely. I don't want to call the World Series. I want to do a tremendous job of calling the World Series. You know, I don't want people to turn it on and be like, who's this idiot calling the World Series? Like, I want to do it very well. You don't want to give up a home run in the World Series, do you? No, you want to strike out the side god damn it right so that's that's called taking yourself to the next level well thank you very much man it sounds like we and i get along i'm glad we're doing this podcast i'm you know i don't think i don't think i've told you this face to face yet man but very grateful and very humbled to be on it and thank you for having me on i really appreciate it chris and i i'd be remiss if i didn't mention our mutual friend max kelton for putting (laughs) us in touch max if you're listening uh, I know we're both big Kelty fans. Kelt, yes, sir. Um, no, really, Chris, I'm, I'm super grateful to have you on. You know, this, I know this podcast is an outward facing thing and it helps a lot of people to dealing with their own mental health and picking up mental skills. And I'm grateful to have that role. And it's also self serving in a way. And I, I tell people this, you know, it gives me an excuse to talk to awesome people like you. You know, it's not just me picking up the phone and being like, hey, Chris, can I like pick your brain about mental skills? Um, This is a way to do it and have other people learn. So grateful for your time. Grateful to have you on, man. Likewise, likewise. You couldn't have said it better. Hey, I can't let you leave without talking about another mutual love of ours. And it's not Max Kelton. It's the Katua Ketteliers. Ketteliers, Kelton. There's some sort of (laughs) ring there. Um, but the Katua Ketteliers, for those of you who don't know, part of the Cape Cod Baseball League, the premier amateur baseball league where top prospects like Chris back in the day will go and ball out for a summer in a beautiful place in Massachusetts and then hopefully rise to the top after that. So I don't just want to shoot the breeze about the Cape Cod League because we can do that anytime. But through the lens of the mental game, that's a pressure cooker, Chris. I mean, you're playing with and against guys who are as good, if not better than you and all want to get to the top. And you've got like 20 scouts behind home plate at all the games. Like it's a lot of pressure. So what did that experience strike you as mentally? 
Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it felt like just the next step for me. It really did. And obviously, you know, a lot of great players around me. Um, but, you know, I probably was the worst Cape lead player of all time. So you got to keep in mind, my 2019, I went out there for two summers. 2019, uh, my first outing, gave up a home run, and the next hitter, I tore my UCL. So that was my 2019 season with the Katua Kettleers. Um, 2021, this last this last summer season before the draft, I actually went out there and had two appearances and, and couldn't pitch a complete inning. I think I pitched like two-thirds of an inning with like five or six walks. Um, and those were my only three outings ever as a Katua Kettleer, and I was out there twice. Um, but from a mental lens, you know, I think, I think for me it was the same thing I was trying to do at UCSB and the same thing I'm trying to do at the Fort Myers, Florida training uh, complex with the Red Sox, and that's just really get better. And, and continue to master my craft and continue to practice my craft. Um, but to be in the Cape playing with and playing against some of the best players, man, it's, 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 it's fun to pick their brain. It's fun to figure out and watch these guys compete uh, at such a high level. And I was just, I was, I was just more blessed to be around the, that caliber of players. And even though your performance was way below your standard, you seem content to have had the experience to know that, yeah, it didn't go perfectly, but it was a step in your process and it's working out for you. I got better. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 uh, despite, despite the negative results that I got from both summers, um, I truly think that every day that I spent out in Katua, I got better. Um, and I just want to, I want to thank coach Roberts, Terry Moran, Bruce Murphy, and my host mom, Shelly Tomwell for, uh, for two summers, of, of a great experience and for a great environment. And I couldn't be more grateful for them. I know three of those four people. I don't know your host mom, but the other three, all wonderful gentlemen. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And the host families that that's such a great part of the Cape. I'm still, I'm actually going there over the summer because my host father is getting married. No so way. I was lucky to get an invite and I'm yeah. heading out there. That'll be awesome. That'll be awesome. Hopefully one day I'm in the uh, I'm pitching at Fenway and my host mom and those in Coach Roberts, Terry Moran, and Bruce Murphy can come watch me pitch. I think that'd be pretty cool. I'll be up in the booth, so if they can't make <laughs> it, they can watch the game and I'll listen to Sam it. Brief. Let's I do love it, it man. Bye hey, bye. last thing for you, yes, sir. For all the people out there, give us a piece of advice. Figure out who you are. Be authentic with yourself. Um, have the self-awareness to know who you want to be and the steps it'll take to become that person. Um, and then create a plan to just get 1% better every single day. Figure out who you want to be, who you are now, and get 1% better every day. Yeah, Advice I mean, just, from Chris Troy. Just make the plan, man. Make the plan to make the plan to bridge the gap between who you are now and who you want to be. Chris, you should be proud of who you've become, who you're on the path to becoming. I hope we can stay in touch and be amigos because I think we're pretty like-minded. So thanks for joining me, Chris. Sam, thank you very much for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. What an awesome dude. Chris Troy on the latest Mental Game podcast. And now back here in the studio... Sam Brief with you. Big thank you to Chris for coming on, and a big thank you to our mutual friend Max Kelton, the voice 
of UC Santa Barbara for hooking us up with each other. I love Chris's mindset, right? Be authentic, be you. Figuring out who you are is such a cool thing that we don't really do that much. Your thoughts are not who you are. That's something that I've tried to carry with me because, honestly, my thoughts can run wild sometimes. When I'm having a moment of anxiety, I'm thinking about the future and the past and thoughts are going haywire. Well, that's not me. That's not Sam. That's not who I am. It's just what I'm thinking. And for Chris, it's, okay, what I'm thinking, what I'm doing is not who I am. I'm Chris. And Chris is awesome. Really recommend following him. He's on Twitter at CCTroy. On Instagram at Christopher Troy. And that's Troy with an E at the end. So T-R-O-Y-E at Christopher Troy on Instagram. So he's awesome. That was a great episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope that you are staying healthy physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, in, in all aspects. So thank you for joining me on the Mental Game Podcast. We'll come at you later with some more episodes as the winter goes along. And in the meantime, be well, take care of others, be kind to yourself, and we'll talk soon. Sam Brief saying see you later. Adios from Chicago. Chicago.